Welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Hello. I, just, I wasn't feeling good. You know, I thought you were going for a Lionel Richie thing. No, it's... Uh, you are sculpting that lady's head. Well, you know, <laughs> I am a, a, a big fan of late 80s tight froze. Sure. sure. So that's it. Okay. That's it, that's just a that's a Glenn fun fact. Is it me you're looking for? Internet. Absolutely. Mm. Also joining us, Jed Brew, the director of Mission USA Productions, and joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, a man who is podcasting on the ceiling. One <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Lee Younger, one of the pastors of Crash Community Church. I just love that you made a reference to an '80s music video, and the audience—they weren't even born. Yeah. Right. I was barely born. Yeah. I'm ba- that's that's one of those that's Lionel Richie videos from the eighties are one of those things I really only understand as a cultural touchstone based on things from later on that were written by people older than me making fun of it. Right. Yeah. Yes. There's a whole generation of things I only understand through like Simpsons references. Right. Where I'm not even sure I could tell you what the source material is. <laughs> right, right, right. But you know, that's that's part of the thing. Now, actually, that discussion, believe it or not, branches in. To a biblical emergency. Whoa. A biblical emergency? I must declare a scriptural emergency. Is this a, an emergency of, of biblical proportions, or is it like specifically about the Bible? It could be both. Okay. Whoa. There's no wow. way of knowing. Okay. We, ha- we had a dispatch coming on the Twitters from one of our, our frontline reporters here. This is uh, uh, Mr. Brandon Scott, friend of the podcast, good brother. A man is who- he a friend of the podcast, or is he a super fan? I believe he would qualify as a super fan. Let me put it this way. Uh, Brandon is one of uh, three dudes from Lee's Church who once came up here to help out on the host team in January. Wow. Yeah. Whatever su- whatever the highest, the uh, the Say That Medal of medal of Freedom yeah. we can give on that. The Medal of Emergency, if you will. <laughs> so, but And he's really done his duty here again because he sent me on the Twitters a, uh, a screenshot of just this text. I read okay. it to you unedited. I don't know where it comes from. It's probably better that we don't know. Few catch on because they don't want to. People prefer knowing biblical passages that reinforce their pre-existing belief, a Bible professor says. So, so far, so good. Right. Here's the example. Quote, most people who profess a deep love of the Bible have never actually read the book, says Rabbi Rami Shapiro, who once had to persuade a student in his Bible class at Middle Tennessee State University that the saying... This dog won't hunt doesn't appear in the book of Proverbs. <laughs> well, yeah, but uh, it should. That's a fair point. Yeah. That's that's fine. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of ways to go with this. Yeah. There's just screaming right. about the fact that a dude... Now, granted, I graduated from a... a University in the state system of Tennessee. I was not surprised to read the story, mm-hmm. right? But uh, again, the the observation that there are a lot of people talk about how much they love the Bible, they don't know what's in it. That's well, there, there's there's not knowing that what's in it, which is you know the, problematic the, in its own way. Yeah, the, the people you know, some people just were raised not Zoro- readers. Some people were raised Zoroastrian, and they sure, just, absolutely, they're on a different yeah. uh, they're on a different track. But yeah. 
but the 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 sense that a you think you know mm-hmm. and b you are confident enough to say yep. in this college classroom oh no no it's in there that's in the bible, bible professor yeah <laughs> That's that's special, dude. Well, I love the specificity. Not, oh, I think it's in there somewhere. Oh no, it's in Proverbs. Yeah, yeah. look it up. That's yeah, right. that's right. That's in the Bible. If I was going to give, I'll call it twenty to one odds, and Man. I'll bet that this was a white male. Oh yeah. Would anybody be willing to take my action that this wasn't a white male? No, no that man. was a white male. I have no takers. Yes, yes. I think that is a safe assumption, but I, I feel like. Brandon sent this in in an in expectation because the the that's the the screenshot he sent me that the actual text of his tweet you know, I want to get this right is take it and run yeah oh, I and I that. think Brandon has accurately assessed yeah. that we might be exactly the kind of people who would take this and run in stride as inspiration right for other phrases that we uh, think we could trick people into thinking are in the Bible sure. We right. think should be in the Bible, right? Or that we think your average church-going person might just think are in the Bible. Yeah, that's. Now, let me just say this: you have opened a porthole <laughs> yeah. to 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 evil. I can't and, tell if you're describing or if that's a phrase you think you convince people is in the Bible. Well, that's yeah, yeah. Here's here's a true fact: all of us in this in this uh, on this podcast uh, are frequent movie quote people. That's no true. doubt. To, and, to a point that is off-putting to people who aren't us. Yeah. Deeply off-putting. <laughs> it's possible that if we told Jed he could only communicate in movie quotes, it would not slow down the pace of his communication no, yeah. whatsoever. Not at, all. not at all. So when you say just things that seem biblical to us yeah. as a quote yeah. that might might belong in the Bible, there's a lot. This is This is not a joke. You're absolutely right. We had a topic at the bridge several months back about kind of forgiveness and revenge, and somebody did me wrong. And I opened with saying my favorite verse in the Bible, and then I did the Samuel L. Jackson speech from Pulp Fiction, which is not actually in the Bible. I got all the way through it and got amens, and then pointed out that wasn't in the Bible. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that brings us to, have we told the story... Of the Glen Gary Glenn Ross, no, the uh, yeah, the Glen Gary Glenn Ross, yeah, quote. We definitely cannot tell that story on the podcast, buddy. Yeah, there's no, yeah. there's no way to offend the verbiage in which you can. Uh, let me try to pass this in in generals. Yes, there's yes. a movie, yeah, uh, that called Glen Gary Glenn Ross, which uh, stars a man named Alec Baldwin, who some of you know from Saturday Night Live, and a man named Jack Lemmon, who none of you have heard of from anything. Yeah. That's okay. It's a very good movie. It's based yes. on a play which is like a movie, but in front of you. It's like <laughs> right. it's like Hamilton, but without rapping and about real estate. Yes. That's right. Yeah, contextualize things. That's it. The way You're doing great. It. So uh, there, it's a very quotable movie. It's written by a guy named uh, Michael Mann. Uh, David Mann. David, David Mammoth. I got my Mams yeah. messed up. David Mann is a fantastic playwright, very quotable guy, a guy we all like, which if you know David Mammoth's work, tells you a lot about all of us. Yep. Yeah. But uh, Jed is at a social function. Yeah, a, a shishi. I think it's a work reception. Sure, somebody else's job, and uh, he he's talking to a, a gentleman there, just kind of you know chit chatting with the dude across from him. And the guy gives out one of kind of if you've seen this movie, there's like five surface like Luke, I am your father level quotes that yeah. are just ubiquitous from this movie. Coffee is for closers. Yeah. yeah, and the guy the guy drops one of those, 
And Jed thinks to himself, I have found a kindred spirit. Yeah. Right. I have found someone who appreciates David Mamet's work, who appreciates good dialogue. Yes. And cinema verite. And Jed jumps from the number three most obvious quote from this way into the deep cuts. <laughs> right. Right. Something utterly horrific and offensive. Yeah, something that sounds like you have to immediately call security <laughs> to have Jed escorted out. That's right. If you don't know this is from a movie. And and this dude the, didn't. The, this guy did not recognize that it was from the movie yeah. and thought it was just something Jed was and saying. And just started slowly <laughs> backing away. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I said, well, yeah, it's from the movie, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. sure, buddy. <laughs> Damage done. <laughs> well, I think you're right. I think movie quotes is a great place to start. Yeah. I think I could convince – I think we we need a scale here. Right. So I'm going to say you walk into an average suburban mainline uh, Protestant denominational church on a yeah. Sunday morning. Yeah. I think I could convince, I'm going to call it, I'm going to price this right at, call it 33% of them, that dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria, right. is from the book of Revelation. Absolutely. That's good. <laughs> that's, that's it, well, it, it, again, if it's not, it kind of ought to be. Sure. The, I mean, the sentiment right. is in there. That's a, that's in the a, way that all good lies have a kernel of truth. Yeah, it's a basic paraphrase. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Do my tears surprise you? Strong men also cry. Yeah. Oh, Strong men also you cry. You could definitely convince some people that's in the Psalms. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I think uh, anybody in certain churches of a certain size, I would say, you could probably convince them that the the show me the money line. Sure. sure. Well, show me the prosperity. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this gets us into the rich territory of quoting things. Uh, from Monty Python and trying to convince Christians that it's in the Bible, particularly the Book of Armament. Sure, absolutely. Sure, I like it a lot. <laughs> Just the, the, you know, the, the, you know, uh, Brother Maynard and the, you know, absolutely. Holy Hand Grenade of Antioch, <laughs> etc. You know, that that's actually in the Bible. I don't know if you know this. Sure, sure. Which also leads us to one of my other favorite stories. I think we may have told this on the on the podcast, but one of the things that we always joke about is you can't be a theologian unless you just do the first two initials. Yes. Yeah. Is, you know, C.S. Lewis, uh, uh, um, G.K. Chesterton. Yeah, etc. So you, you notice they all, and you can always tell people who have a certain affectation mm. where they're hoping to be theologians because yeah, they're a little more modern. Yeah. They put their, their first two initials in front of their name and there you go. Um, so uh, we were, I was at a, a thing. I was invited to speak and so it's like a speaking gig and it's a conference and there's other uh, professionals, uh, ministry professionals there, and they're all sitting around there being really theological in a way that's just driving me up a tree, and I just... Which is uh, to say, at all? Yeah, and I just want to go away, and I and, and I thought, well, it'd be better if I just stayed and mocked them. So... Uh, <laughs> it's a Christian thing to do. Uh, Absolutely. Per, per a joking conversation that Jed and I had had, I began quoting a theologian by basically taking the name of a rock star and just putting his initials in front of it. So it was J.B. Jovi. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I began talking about, uh, you know, that great theologian. The great David, Renaissance J- philosopher. Yes. J.B. Jovi, he talked a lot about uh, how we're actually uh, living on a prayer. Yes. Yes. And uh, so. <laughs> hold on you know, to what we got. That's exactly. I literally, literally was doing that to a room full of pastors, and they're like, yeah, I like what he was saying there. Yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah, that's that good. Really good. 
I'll let you on on a little bonus secret, uh, dear listener. If you're listening to this show or a sermon in our Bridge podcast or a Bridge box, or reading the reading Glenn's blog, and he quotes a social a quote unquote social philosopher right. with two initials. That's a rock star. That's yeah. right. That's a fun game for you to work that out backwards. That's right. Well, Glenn, I think you also had a suggestion for something we convince people is in the Song of Songs. Right. Uh, do you recall that from, I believe you mentioned on Twitter of, you know, of course. Oh, well, yeah. When, when, when uh, Brandon uh, posted that, my response was, are you, are you telling me do a little dance, make a little love, get down tonight is not actually in the Bible. Yes. Because that's that's really going to shake me to my core. I think there's, and I think, to be fair, there's a number of places in the book of Psalms and the Song of Songs where that's the gist of it. Absolutely. That's exactly right. And let me tell you what I think, and people need to now immediately Google Casey and the Sunshine Band. Yes. Because pretty much whatever songs they did, you could put right into the Bible. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For example, shake, 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 your shake, booty, shake, shake your booty. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, you know, etc. Yeah, you know, dance for joy before the Lord, if yeah, you will. Dance, David, dance with all his might before the Lord. The same, same essential concept here. Yes, know? yeah, so, absolutely. It's very good. You know, I think uh, there's a there's a lot that that people probably should believe is in the Bible, sure. whether it is or not. Sure, absolutely. The Lord loves a working man. Yes, that's right. You know. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know. Uh, I think really just anything from the Big Lebowski would just fit right in there. You know, yeah. Vi Lennon, and on that basis, I declare emergency <laughs> off before we have a chance to give any examples that draw together the Big Lebowski and the Holy Scriptures. If anyone wants to guess what Glenn, Jed, and I will be talking about when we go to eat after this, it will be exclusively that. Say what you want about the tenets of national socialism. No, especially not that one. No. Well, well look, we, we've had a lot of fun here, but I, I think we do want right to up until the end. the words that Paul wrote to Timothy when he said, lights will guide you home and ignite your bones, and I will wow. try to fix you. I see the fact that there know. are churches that sing that song makes that one even more depressing. <laughs> that, that, yeah, now I'm just sad. You double yeah, bummed me you out. You made us sad, Jed. That's my gift. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> Feast <laughs> on despair. <laughs> Which I think that is also in the Bible. sounds like it's from Proverbs. <laughs> Yeah, okay, well, I already declared emergency off, but it didn't take the first time. <laughs> so I'll try again to declare emergency off. As I mentioned, if you want to hear Glenn, uh, Massively misquoting uh, made-up theologians in scandalous ways to an audience that may not be picking up on what he's putting down. You can find that probably a couple times a year on Bridgebox, I'm going to guess. Every, yeah, that's right. Uh, every uh, month of Bridgebox contains a, a sermon that Glenn preached at our uh, Bridge meeting. Occasionally, I'll be in there to bonus sermon. You get songs from Lee and Jed, our friends Pete and Tasha, so a lot of other very talented folks, all based around a topic. This one's topic is, what does God want me to do with my money? Mm. So you can head on over to missionusa.com slash bridgebox. Check all that out. You can get some samples for yourself over there, even if you decide not to sign up. If you do decide to sign up, it's only $8 a month. That money goes directly to supporting the ministry we do up here and what Lee does down there in Tennessee. Missionusa.com slash bridgebox. Okay, we're going to jump to our first question here. comes in anonymously, and it says, 
I need help knowing how to hear God in my life. Some of the answers he has given me go against some of the things I have always thought of about God. That doesn't mean it isn't God. He did say he was growing me up and changing your thinking is definitely part of that. What would be natural for me and what I originally am may not be of God or what he wants for me now. But the Bible says to test everything, and I guess I just want to know how to know for sure it is God I hear speaking to me and guiding me as opposed to if I wasn't. Also, no offense, but I even want to know how to test what you guys may tell me. It's an excellent question, and based off the emergency segment, I think that last caveat is very, very wise. Yes. <laughs> uh, Jed, I'd love to get you to, to uh, start us off here, and maybe if you can uh, start us off with that idea of testing things. Another, another part of this uh, question we may want to get into, but the word is very clearly, you know, the, Paul says, test every spirit. Mm -hmm. So what does that functionally look like? Great question. Let's begin. So um, that admonition is in the Bible in a number of places. Here's one of them. This is from 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Mm -hmm. Other translations say many deceiving spirits have gone out into the world. So if, you, if you're dealing with someone who's... Let's take it out of the spiritual realm for a second. If you're dealing with someone who's a fraud... They're a huckster. They're trying to steal money from you. They're trying to get something out of you. Here's the number one thing they don't want you to do. Ask questions. Thank yeah. you. Somebody that's on the hustle, somebody that's lying to you, somebody's trying to defraud you, trying to cheat you, they don't want you to ask any questions. Believe me. Believe me. That's how you can tell. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, in fact, um, uh, that's actually one of the uh, prototypical things. If you're trying to recognize like a cult group, is they don't want to be asked any questions. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's it's a sin to question. That's right. That's right. Uh, anything. Yeah. Um, the same thing does happen. No reason that I mention this in political parties and all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. Anytime you're in an environment and the the clear admonition is don't ask any questions, just go along with it. Something bad is going on. Yeah. Just just so you know. Um, so. Uh, given that the thing that people who are false prophets in whatever their world is, be it you know faith and religion or financial services or politics or whatever, the thing they have in common is don't ask me any questions. Here's how we test the spirit. We ask questions. That's mm -hmm. what we do. Because God doesn't mind people asking him questions. And actually, right. neither do people who are telling the truth. Right. That's the funny right. thing about people who aren't on something shady and don't have anything to hide is they don't mind you asking them questions. They don't mind mm -hmm. you asking them hard questions. Mm -hmm. um, you may have heard people tell you that it's wrong to question God, and those people are wrong. Right. Um, Again, going back to the emergency segment, those people are making up a thing they assume is in the Bible. It's super yeah. not. It's right. super not. Uh, God does not mind you asking questions. To the contrary, the book of James says the following thing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously mm. to all without mm. finding fault. When it says wisdom, part of what it means is being able to see things from God's point of view, being mm. able to see things from God's perspective. So what that verse is suggesting is if you don't know what God's talking about, if you don't understand where God's coming from, if you don't get what God's point of view is, ask him. Right. He will clue you in. He will be happy, and he won't mind doing that. He won't be bothered by doing that. He is happy to clue you in to his perspective and his viewpoint, the way that he sees the world, and your specific situation. And that, that really leads to the thing that I think starts us off. I want to encourage you to do is ask God why. God's leading you through tough changes in your life. You're, you're right to say that may be a good thing. It's probably a necessary thing, but ask him why. 
as he's asking you to make changes, to take hold of new things and leave other things behind, ask him to show you why that is. What What's the bigger picture here? Why are we doing this? Um, yes, once in a blue moon, God may ask you to do something that seems super arbitrary and it's really hard to get a read on why, but you know, he just really wants you to do it. But the vast majority of the time, God will be more than happy to explain, here's the big picture with this. Here's, yeah. here's why it works this way. Here's the broader narrative and the broader understanding. And the more you do that, the more you can recognize whether or not something is or isn't in line with the heart of Jesus and the heart of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And if God's leading you to do it and it's in, the, in line with the heart of the scriptures and the heart of Jesus, then you're in great shape and you've tested the spirits and you've done a fantastic job. I think that's a, a very, very good point. And Glenn, I think one of the—I'd love to get you to pick up there because one of the things I think can— uh, help us understand what we what kind of questions we should be asking, um, and if this is a situation where we need to question something, is what's the general thrust of this? As versus, mm-hmm. you know, I'm hearing something. How do I know if this is of God or not? That's a very good point to start asking questions. But what are the things we should be looking for to point us to? If it's this, that's probably from the Lord. If it's this, it's probably not. Well, I think essentially. Well, I think first of all, it's. Trying to think of uh, get a sort of a picture in your head of what this looks like, and the in an odd sort of way, maybe the the way I'd have you picture this is uh, to imagine a litmus test, right? Mm-hmm. Remember when you're a science class and you're a kid, and they gave you the little strips and you dipped right. it in different things and it mm-hmm. turned a different color. Well, it's a similar kind of thing here, where we're we're taking these thoughts that we have, these feelings that we have, these desires that we have, these goals that we have, and they point us in a certain direction. And it's about looking at where they're pointing us and getting a read where, where what that direction is. Uh, and, and, and let me say this as we get into that. A, I love the idea of you putting what we say to the test. Yeah, you should uh, do that. It, 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 that is fantastic. And if you, if if something doesn't fit out of what we're saying, please reject that and move yeah. on. Uh, and uh, we we are certainly not infallible in that. And you may misinterpret something we say, and it'd be good for you to figure out that it's not the right interpretation. Yeah, it's worth pointing out. We we often don't deal with stuff on the air, but we've had plenty of instances of people writing in and saying, "Okay, you said this, and that struck me as weird. I wasn't taught this." And sometimes the answer to that is, "You're right." We answered that a little clunky. Sometimes the answer is, "No, we were right, but maybe it's this or that and the other." We don't mind that stuff at all. Yeah. No, no, not at all. I think it's it's good for you to wrestle with it. And and generally speaking, the people who put what I say to the test the most find out that they're that I'm correct more often than people who don't really think about it very often. Mm-hmm. So that's for me. That's a that's a bonus. But uh, here's what we, as I said, we're we're doing our litmus test. We're figuring out which direction this points us in. So it's about, in a sense, uh, getting a sort of an, a, a, a feel for what is it that the devil is, is trying to point us towards. Mm-hmm, what, is, mm-hmm. what does that look like? What does it sound like? What, the, what things are in that category? Well, the Bible, of course, tells us a lot of those things. But let me give you three things that will kind of really encompass a lot and, and help you out. First of all, uh, Satan always points us to religiosity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were saying in the last podcast, uh, the, the the devil comes disguised as, as an angel of light, and it's the idea of he what he wants you to do is living as if you were really holy and Christian w- and doing the motions mm-hmm. and doing the whatever and following the rules, but not having the actual relationship itself. So he so anything that points to a religiousness 
but not to a deeper relationship with God. Uh-huh. That's 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 almost always the enemy. Uh, ego building. I I I don't want to be. I don't want to look like this. I want to look like this. So mm-hmm. you know, I want to look like a really good Christian. So I'm going to say and do the stuff that really good Christians do. Whatever. That's the kind of the enemy will come to you and say. People are going to think you're a bad Christian if you don't do this. You want to be a good Christian, don't you? So you do it this way. But again, that's about ego, identity, and whatever, and trying to answer to that. A third thing that would go with that is sort of a first let me mentality. You know, Jesus went to a guy and he said, come follow me. And he says, first let me mm-hmm. go home mm-hmm. and take care of my family and tell them goodbye and all that. And, uh, and Jesus saying, this, these people don't actually do uh, what I'm calling them to do. They don't actually follow me because it's first, let me hook me up. Then mm-hmm. well, I'll give you what I'll cut you in off the side. Sure, break off the piece. Yeah. Uh, the, the devil will get you doing that. As, as um, a friend of mine or a, a, a pastor friend of mine uh, used to say, the devil doesn't care if you do the right thing as long as you don't do it today. Yep. So that's a certain amount of temptations. Oh, yeah, that's the right thing to do. First thing tomorrow, let's get on that. Yeah. You know, those, Next those, week, I'm going to get right on that. That's right. Um so likewise, what's the other side of that coin? Well, the, the, there's all sorts of things that will indicate to you that this is a godly direction. But again, three big things that are big overlaps. First, humility. Uh, mm. the, the God calls me to humility a, a lot. It's a, it comes as a bit of a shock. But I what really fun- seems like we should be over that whole thing by now. Exactly, and there are times when. The moment I see what the humble, what a humble person would do in this situation, it's weird and it's shocking and it's not what I want, and it's like I see that that's godly. Mm-hmm. The moment that happens, so humility, uh, uh, patience. Uh, God's often calls for patience with other people, but He's also calling us to be patient with ourselves, with our own past, with the with the mistakes that we've made, those kinds of things. God is always when, when you're hearing a. a <laughs> Uh, you have to hurry up and fix yourself so you can be acceptable. That's the enemy. God is patient with us. Uh, and he, of course, calls us to grace. That's his character, and that he wants us to have that character. But when he's telling us that he's giving us grace, when he's asking us to give that grace to other people, we can recognize that's, that's the voice that the Lord is trying to push us towards. Uh, the, 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 uh, the, the counterfeit sort of uh, uh, um, external pretense of that is what the devil is trying mm. to sell. I think that's a really fantastic uh, place to go with that. And Lee, I'd love you to close us out here. I think one of the things we need to touch on here, our friend talks about, you know, I've I've got these things I think God is saying to me, but they go counter to what I've always thought about God. Mm. Now, as we talk a lot about on the show, that, that could definitely be that you are, um, if you were raised in certain uh, traditions, churches, whatever, that had some uh, creative interpretations of what was actually in the Scripture. But I think there's also an aspect of that of just that is kind of part of following Jesus. We often talk in the show about how uh, Jesus will violate your religiousness at some point. That ties into a lot of what Glenn was saying. So Glenn's talking about, and I think it's absolutely right, applying these kind of litmus tests to things we hear going forward. But I think it would it also be helpful to apply those to the things we have heard and test our assumptions in that way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that that to me when you know when when you when you hear what these guys have already laid out and I especially love how how Glenn was coming in off the back of what Jeb was saying and saying now these are some things that these are some kind of signs of life when you have humility and patience and stuff like that that is such an awesome these are these you know you want to follow your nose on 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 you know when when things have this kind of a flavor to them I think that is an that's such awesome advice and 
think as you're trying to figure out this process, one of the things that you're that I think you're always going to be looking for is honesty at every level. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. So, like, you know, I want I want to find a, a believer that is ahead of me in in their walk. They're they're farther along than I am, and I want to go to them and ask them questions. But I want to ask somebody. I don't want to ask somebody who's just going to sit back and say, well, if you just want to be awesome like I am, mm-hmm. um, this is how I pulled that off. I want somebody who's saying, let me tell you the mistakes that I made in this thing. Um, and let me tell you how many times I screwed this up so that you can miss that little pothole and stuff like that. You want somebody that you want to talk to somebody who's willing to be honest with you. Then when you go to the scriptures, and this is a hard thing to do, especially if you have grown up in church is you want to look at like the words of Jesus or the words of Paul or the words of the Apostle Peter or John. You want to look at these dudes' words honestly without any kind of preconceived notions or caveats based on what you've heard from Christian stuff. I just want to look at the words. What are the words that he's actually saying here? Um, and especially, how does this, <clears throat> what does this have to do with what I'm actually going through right here? And then you want to take all of that stuff that you're finding to the Lord honestly in prayer. Now, here's the deal is if you go through that process of trying to be honest about every level of it, getting advice from strong, mature believers, uh, seeking the Lord in prayer and, and looking at the scriptures, if you're really hammering the honesty on all the all three levels of that, one thing that you're going to find is a lot of the stuff that Christians say has nothing to do with the heart of God in the scriptures. Yeah. Like nothing to do with it at all. Now, um, that's not to say it's bad advice. Uh, like, for instance, just a just a real quick for instance, when you look at the like the the popular quote unquote Christian view of of how to deal with your money. Mm-hmm. Um and and look, and if you buy the books, there's all kinds of little scripture references in there. Um, from 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 all over the book, but a lot of the things that they say, one, have nothing to do with what Jesus said about money. Nothing to do with it whatsoever. Now, from a worldly perspective and from just a common sense perspective, it there's a perspective. A lot of it makes sense. You can look at it and say, well, that makes sense, and that seems like a wise way to handle this. But if you were to approach just the words of Jesus, straight up, straight up and down, honestly. You would say like, man, this this so-called Christian money thing has nothing to do with the heart of Jesus about money in any like in any way. They don't like the Venn diagram doesn't even cross over. Yeah, mm. it's it's so different. And so that's what we want to do is we want to we want to attack all the levels of this, all the data gathering as honestly as you possibly can. Somebody that's ahead of you that's that that's very honest and vulnerable. Some uh, when you when you pray and when you go to the scriptures, and what you're going to find is a lot of the stuff that Christians just accept. Uh, nobody has nobody has critiqued or criticized any of it to find out if that's really the what the scriptures say or 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 how God feels about it, and that's okay if you find out the that the whole Christian world is bonkers. Um, you, you're gonna first of all, you're probably going to find some folks who who see it the right way up once you start doing that. But that's where we want to do is, is, is really start approaching this stuff with an honest, open mind about it. That's a really fantastic place to, uh, to call that down. And I will add that as, as all these guys kind of pointed out, um, you're all, you're absolutely on the right track on all of this, especially with questioning what we say. We can't, 
Uh, we can't emphasize that enough. But this idea of, again, that, you know, I used to think a lot of things and now that's that I'm getting something that's different from that or maybe I'm getting something that's entirely opposite to that. That A is, again, that's good. That's sign growth. And also one thing worth pointing out is in a weird way that doesn't even mean you were – the thing you thought before was wrong. Mm-hmm. In a way that if fundamentally, you know, the Bible says that God's ways are higher than ours and his thoughts are higher than ours. You can't ever get your mind fully around what God thinks about a situation mm-hmm. or wants you to do. So to say, you know, I was, I was for years and years I've been kind of going this way and I thought this is what God wanted me to do. And now I'm hearing something that feels like a switch on that. It absolutely doesn't mean the thing you're pointing to now is uh, wrong. We, you can test this, but it's entirely possible that you may come to the conclusion if you put these these tests together and you say, well, I think I was right up to this point, but I think I'm also being called to make a sharp left. That's totally yeah. normal. That happens yeah. to everybody. So if this is the first time you're experiencing that, that's absolutely nothing to to freak out about. We're going to move on to our second question here. It comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says, What did you guys think of the movie Hacksaw Ridge and its portrayal of Christianity? If you've listened to some of the last several episodes, you may have guessed that we don't really stay up on the Christian movies. Sure. <laughs> but I think this is a very good question because, it, A, it was a big movie and some Oscar nominations, and there's some guy who directed it. I can't remember who, and I can't yeah. imagine there'd be anything funny about mentioning him, so we're just going to move on. Um, but yeah. it, when a major kind of budget uh, motion picture gets released that has a clearly Christian bent or it's about a Christian mm-hmm. guy, I think uh, cr- Christian culture wants to react to that in a couple of ways. And right. one is certainly to slam it and say, oh, yeah. but then there's a real kind of unquestioning lionizing right. of it, and we should all, we're going to buy all the the tickets and make the church go see it. Yeah, it's, it's going to inspire right. us. I'm not, I think one of the things we got, and Glenn actually has seen the movie, so we'll, we'll we'll look to him to give us kind of a rundown on that. But then I think that what we'll spend the rest of the time looking at is what actually what's a good goal for us to have for an inspirational Christian movie in our life, and what are the yes. limits of that? But Glenn, you, you did see the movie, and what do you think of it? Well, uh, I think you brought it out perfectly. Uh, just that sense of most of these movies kind of fall in the middle of that continuum between it's unassailably perfect on one end and a perfect portrayal of Christian whatever. They're kind of like every other movie. There's probably some good stuff and some bad stuff. Sure, yeah. In this, uh, I believe me, I've seen way worse. No question sure. about that. And there, there were certainly moments that I thought were 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 wonderful and lovely in there. I, but let's maybe maybe. Try and illustrate it in this way of where the where the difficulties come from. Uh, I'll I'll try and tell this story without embarrassing anybody. But uh, there was a guy who is a well known guy in Christian media, etc. No, like a what do you call a celebrity or sure. whatever. And he uh, decided he wanted to do a movie, and the movie featured uh, gang members who were coming to Jesus in a Jesus-y sort of way, and he wanted to come to Chicago and talk to the gang members that I was working with to see how accurate it was, etc. And so I said, that sounds like a horrible idea, but send me the, the screenplay, I'll read it. You know what Glenn it. loves? Random white people on his mission field just asking questions. <laughs> exactly. So I said, well, send it to me, I'll read it to you, I can give you my thoughts, because I know ministry, and I know gang members, so there you go. And he, I could tell he didn't want that which there's there's your your red flag number one yeah. uh so he sent it and it was it was just way off but it wasn't bad it wasn't theologically bad you know it just struck a lot of it wasn't accurate yeah just yeah nowhere near 
Which you, and you can give people like this sometimes a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because if he had, if someone made a pitch perfect accurate uh, movie about that, uh, the target audience of suburban Christians would have no idea what to make of it. Exactly right, and I told him something along those lines of this is just made up stuff about a made up world, and, and you know the theology the theology of it's okay. It's really kind of goopy and sentimental in places, and that's not really how theological and spiritual things work, but okay. It turns out he was in town. He really, 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 really said, I really would love to meet with your guys. And I said, well, you know, okay, I, I guess it can't hurt. So we, oh, it can. <laughs> we, we went to a uh, McDonald's, and of course he's running late, so I gave the screenplay to the guys and I had like three guys from the neighborhood and they Set are a little trap. Did you, they are literally laughing their behinds off reading Yikes. this thing. And I'm like, okay, when he gets here, we have to try and what, and he, he, and bless these guys hearts. They were as sweet as they could be. They did not know that he was a well-known Christian figure. They thought he was just a movie guy. So they began to very respectfully, uh, and, and politely lacerate this movie horribly. I mean, just ripped it to shreds. Given you know. that you don't under you don't know anything about spirituality, we can right. kind of break this down for you exactly and let you know right. how the spirituality that's piece ex- goes down. That's exactly what it was. And of course, the guy just stood there and didn't say didn't say who he was, what it was, whatever. And like politely thanked them and then left. And then he shot that movie exactly as it was on the page. Script. Yeah. So th- to me, th- there's a few problems there. One, you can't expect someone who is not in ministry to have a real nuanced understanding yep. of how ministry works. That's an unfair expectation. You can expect him, perhaps, if he's spending that much money and getting into it, and if this is a, an important thing for him spiritually, you, you might expect him to ask someone who does know, and if you do ask somebody, you ought to expect him to listen. So I think that's more where the breakdown is in terms of the kind of stuff that we're often pointing out, is that it just strikes a lot of funny notes, and mm-hmm. it isn't really how stuff works, and, and, and we wish that people would, would figure that out. In terms of the movie itself... Um, I think it, it 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 the the thing that you get probably from the trailer is it's a person who has a, a conscientious objection to uh, fighting in a war, and the movie itself actually does a good job of breaking down the difference between uh, you know a, a killing someone as in a war or in a, as in an act of self defense as opposed to an act of murder and how those things are not the same, mm-hmm. and I, that comes out in the movie and that's fine. And uh, I think the the one thing I will say, and I'll toss it around to these other guys, is that I think what what I w- would like to have seen be more of the context rather than the subtext of this movie uh, is the the idea of conscience. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of talking about I have something that 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 violates my sense of conscience. God gives me a, a sense of right and wrong. And it's for me. It's what's right for me, and it might be different from you. There was sort of some of that in there, but it was really, it's it was almost as if it was trying to throw out that idea of conscience and sort of replace it with the idea of principle mm-hmm. that you have to have your principles and you have to stick to your principles, and that's what character is all about. When conscience is kind of not that. Sure, conscience is when I know. 
you know, I know I want to be loyal to my friends, and that's an important principle. And I know I want to do uh, help a person, and I want to do this thing. But God is really putting it on me. I need to do this other thing. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think I want to. If I was walking out of that movie with a friend, that's what I would want to talk about is is mm. what is conscience all about and how do you get that from the Lord and whatever. And there was some of that in there, but I wish that had been kind of more mm. in the forefront. That's a really good intro to this. And Lee, I'd love to get you to, to pick us up there. And uh, I think, like Jed and myself, you didn't see the movie, so let's let's right. broaden this out from the, the, the talk of this particular movie into kind of uh, Christian stuff. But I think there's also another important point as we see uh, stuff that is supposed to, quote-unquote, represent Christianity. There have been a lot of movies kind of on this stuff. You know, Chariots of Fire, maybe one sure. of the most uh, better-known ones. There's, there was one years and years ago about uh, missionaries who went into South America and got speared. Do not see that movie. Glenn is not a fan. Yes, Other sir. people are fans, and we support all viewpoints on that. Yeah. <laughs> It's a, but one of the things here is, but it's as a parallel, and it applies to Hacksaw Ridge in this as well. One of the things that is true of Christian movies is also true of quote unquote based on a true story movies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in that they can be lovely, they can be entertaining, they can be inspirational, they can be good as movies. But definitionally, things probably had to be changed. Right. Uh, yeah. I was reading. Uh, a book about screenwriting once by uh, two discuss- because two, the two guys who wrote it, I think are really funny. And I really was looking for stuff in their process. And they said that they were, when they were early on in their script writing careers, they had a meeting with a guy about adapting something. And the guy told him his example was, well, if in real life, Nelson Mandela's girlfriend didn't break up with him to spawn him into something in act two of your movie, she did. Yep. Right. Because particularly big Hollywood movies follow a to the page formula. When you if mm-hmm. you write a script and submit it to a Hollywood producer, they will say this should happen on page ten. The inciting incident should happen on page ten. The first uh, act break should happen on page thirty, and you can just chunk it down through there. Mm-hmm. And Hollywood makes one of the reasons on that is a. Uh, uh, I'm looking at the budget for Hacksaw Ridge. They spent forty million dollars just making it. Yeah. Before yeah. they marketed it, before they tried to get people Oscars, so this movie has to make back forty million dollars. Yeah. And while I t- actually totally agree with Glenn that a a kind of meditation on the role of conscience in war and faith would be a much better, more interesting, more factual movie, the producers probably didn't have confidence in it to make $40 million. Mm-hmm. Right. So, Lee, I put all that to you to say, what are the kind of filters we should have on, not to criticize a movie, not to judge a piece of art, but just to say, this can be lovely, but it's not necessarily meant to fuel me in my walk with the Lord. It's yeah. just entertainment. Yeah, that, well, that's that, that last sentence is the whole thing, because it's just, what what do movies do? What What is the purpose of a movie? Is, is Yeah, that's the right is, question. You know, what is, is, a, is a movie the thing that is going to bring someone to Jesus? Um, th- that's not really the function of, of movies. That's not really what a movie is equipped to do or what it's supposed to do. It's there to entertain. And to talk about this, I'd love to kind of pull it out of the, you know, use an example outside of the whole Christianity thing. Um, just when I saw, um, when I saw the, the Lord of the Rings movies, for instance, mm. you know, I remember, I remember um, having a conversation with some friends after the first Lord of the Rings movie came out where they were super pissed about all the things that were so different about the Lord of the Rings and everything, you know, from the book to the movie and everything. And it's like, well... You're talking about a thousand page book. Yeah. You know, you can't 
cram all the things that happen from a third-person narrator in a thousand-page book into a movie that's a couple hours long. Like, it's just, it's not functional. It's not even possible. So I, I said, when you, you know, when you go to the theater to watch a movie about The Lord of the Rings, you should be going in there thinking, I'm going to get to, to visualize this world that I love so much from this book. That, that's what this is for. I get to hang out in the world of the Lord of the Rings for a little while, or I get to hang out in the world of Harry Potter for a couple of hours. It's not going to be as good as the book of Harry Potter, which by that we mean it's not going to have all the subtlety, all the nuance, all of the all of the different things that are involved in the telling of that story. The story is a big, huge, complicated you know, thing with tied up knots and, and just all kinds of surprising turns and everything. The movie can't do all that stuff. But if I go into the movie theater with a box of popcorn expecting to get to hang out there for a little while, then I can enjoy it. That's that's the purpose of entertainment is to entertain you. To You get to leave your world for a little while and do something else. Here's the thing about the life of faith. The life of faith is messy. It is complicated. It is not cute. Nobody wants to enjoy popcorn and a Diet Coke while watching me struggle again and again and again with the same questions of self-doubt and self-worth yep. after walking with the Lord constantly for 18 years and vocationally for 15. You know, like nobody wants to see that. That's not, nobody's paying to, you know, mm, that was just so entertaining. That's just not the way that works. The, the life of faith, even for the people who are rock stars at it, is it is it is just incredible. Sometimes it's just mind-numbing tedium. Sometimes it's just sludge and struggle and pain and questions. And we're trying to hold each other up and we're just trying to get to the end of this thing. You can't put that on a movie screen. It just, what people love is Disney movies where all the loose ends tie up at the end and we all sing a song in harmony that we just made up on the spot. And, 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 and people love that so much that Disney has all the money. I mean, they own ESPN and Star Wars, y'all. They have every, that's what everybody wants. Like they have all of our money, but that's not what the life of faith is. A movie about Christianity cannot do the things that you can do in a conversation where you're hanging out with somebody asking about a hard time that they're having. Yep. A movie can't lead somebody to Jesus, but you can. Um, right. A movie can't pray for somebody, but you can do that. A movie can't serve somebody. But you can do that. And pretty much everybody that's listening to this podcast right now, the reason that you came to know Jesus or you are growing in Jesus or your life is changing is because somebody, some one person at some point at different times in your life sat down and listened to you or served you or took care of you or told you about Jesus in some way. It was a, these are one-on-one encounters. This is not an entertainment thing. It's a relationship thing. Movies can't do what you can do, and they're not supposed to, and so we shouldn't expect them to. That is a really fantastic point. Jed, I'd love to get you to close us out on this. Um, I think, again, Lee is asking exactly the right question here. What is is a movie meant to do? I think far too often, and again, this actually does apply to totally secular, just kind of historical dramas, or really any kind of fictional movie, um, but it's super true in Christian movies where people get in trouble when they think, this should be the template for mm-hmm. whatever it is. You mm-hmm. know, I, I watched the hour and a half Jackie Robinson biopic. I totally understand the struggle of civil rights. Yeah, and what that was <laughs> like. 
and yeah. and all the ups and downs. And I think that I really have a handle on it. And Jackie Robinson is my hero now. Right. And that's what we want from movies. We want heroes. Actually, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if, if they're wearing spandex and punching each other, I totally support those kind of hero movies. But when we're talking about actual people and what we might want to port into our actual life, yep. um, this should be less about a holistic, I am going to live my life like Desmond, I believe his name is Desmond Doss. Is the the lead character of Hacksaw Ridge who who did all the most of the stuff that's in the movie? You know, he yeah, was, yeah. Uh, you know, one president, uh, Medal of Honor, and saved mm-hmm. a bunch of lives in Iwo Jima. And fantastic man. But the point, I think, if we want to help you look at these pieces of art, should be less about okay, I will now model myself after this very skewed representation of this person in the movie, and more. What should I guess my question is what should we look to take from a piece of Christian art in a healthy and constructive way? That's a great question. So we can and should pull the camera back from movies to art more broadly. Here's what entertainment exists to do: entertain. Right. That's it. Uh, right. Entertainment doesn't exist to educate or inspire or anything else. It just exists to entertain you. That's mm-hmm. it. That's all. Exi- if you get something else out of it, that's great. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But it's just there to distract you for a couple. It's all hours. some version of the hypnotoad. Exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly right. That's all it's there to do. Um, art is there to provide insight into the human condition. Secular mm-hmm. Christian doesn't matter. Um, that's that's what art does. Is it provides some degree of insight into what it means to be human, and that's actually, in some level, that's the dividing line between art and entertainment. Uh, is mm-hmm. that you know, entertainment is not there to provide any form of insight. It's just there to distract you. Whereas art is is there to provide some form of insight into the human condition, what it means to be human. Okay, um, art can't, as Lee rightly points out, art can't tell you how to be a Christian. Um, it can't tell you how to lead a meaningful life, but what it can do is give you a glimpse of a viewpoint that you're not used to. It can help you see things from a different angle, right? And that is valuable. So for example, um, if you've read, if you've either read or you've seen the movie of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, here's what we need to be crystal clear on. Aslan is not Jesus. Right. And I can say that with 100% confidence because Aslan is a fictional character. Right. He's a he's a lion that talks. He's a talking lion. Yeah, we don't have those. But Jed, my pastor preached an entire eight part series about how he's not safe, but he's good. Well, that is a sharp insight. Uh, still, though, fictional character. Oh, right. Uh, d- despite what the uh, movement of modern atheism would like to say, Jesus of Nazareth of Nazareth was a historical person that really existed. Right. right. Um, it's one of the more well documented historical persons in the history of humanity. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, so uh, we have a, a a real person, a historical character, and a fictional character. Right. But that doesn't mean that. Um, the line the witch in the wardrobe is dumb or stupid or useless or anything. The point of it is to see something about the character of God from a new angle. That, right. That's that's actually the point of it. It's not to give you a holistic picture of God. It's not mm-hmm. to replace the Bible. It's not even to complement the Bible. Exactly, exactly. Right, right. It's just to give you a different vantage point right, to right, understand right. God or something about God a little bit more deeply. Mm-hmm. And if it does that, well, that's an incredible thing. That's yeah, amazing. That's that's, right. that's beautiful. That's powerful. There is no way, and here is where I think Christians really have problems. There's no way for art to be inerrant in the way that Scripture is. Right. There's no yeah. way for art to be safe in mm. the way that Scripture fundamentally is, in that it is God-breathed and inerrant. Art is one dude's ideas about stuff. Right. And it's going to have 
or in the case of a Hollywood movie, a collaboration of 35 dudes' ideas about stuff. Exactly right. right. And given that, yeah, it is going to have their agenda and their bias mm-hmm. and their hang-up and their weirdness all cooked in there. And to be clear, C.S. Lewis had agendas and biases and hang-ups sure. and weirdness because he was Big a human time. being. Yeah. Okay? How um, dare you, sir? How dare you? I said good day! <laughs> But that doesn't mean that there aren't insights about what it me- what God is like or what it means to be a person, what it means right. to be a person of conviction to be taken from Hacksaw Ridge or from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe or from Braveheart or from monkeys with machine guns on a horseback. Right. Hello. There, there are moments of insight to be taken from all kinds of things if yes. we can receive them as that. Yes. A moment of insight that helps me see something slightly differently in my own life. And God can yeah. use that. God uses that all the time. A smart person once said, all truth is God's truth. Mm-hmm. There is no such thing as secular truth. Um, but where we get into problems is when we expect a coherent and inerrant presentation of systematic theology right. in the form of a narrative. Yeah. That can't be done, and no one is attempting to do it anyway. Right. But little bits of insight vantage points that help us to see what it is to be ourselves and what God might be like a little bit differently and therefore a little bit more clearly, those are valuable and they're worth pursuing. Yeah, and just to tack on to the end of, uh, of that, I, I think Jed's leading us to the, to the exact right look at this in the sense that the movie definitely has moments where it's sort of a goopy sentimentality perhaps, but what it's presenting is... A, a, a Christian uh, viewpoint that is accurate and good and solid and brave and wonderful and lovely. So, you know, if you don't like that, go make your own movie and don't yep. be the hipster that's too hip to, to get down with it. Uh, you know, I think that's the message to one end of that spectrum. Uh, uh, but the message to the other end of the spectrum is it is a bit goofy in parts and a bit sentimental and, and, and uh, you know, uh, saccharine and 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 uh, whatever have you, and that's that's okay, but it's not scripture either. Yeah, I think that's exactly where I land with this is drawing us back to this first question of you're supposed to test every spirit, and that super includes movies. Yep, yeah, that includes books, that includes stuff that's been uh, certified by the American Family Association or whatever horrific hate group uh, disguised as a Christian media corporation is putting that stuff out there. Like, no, seriously, they're. Uh, uh, there are uh, political action committees that are called the American Family, whatever, and uh, just look about the SPLC. Yep. You might learn something. But but aside from that very snarky point, this idea of – and there, as all these guys point out, there in very few cases is there something as that is a totality good or totality bad movie. Yeah. Look, mm-hmm. we, we rip on God's Not Dead, and with good reason. Oh, yeah. That is 45 minutes of my life I'm never getting back. Yeah. But I have no doubt, and we talk about this on the show with books a lot, I have no doubt that there's someone out there who watched that movie and gleaned something true mm-hmm. about God mm-hmm. that they did not know. Right. And it is it is not for us to crap all over that stuff in totality. That's to that right. exact point, Fireproof is a terrible movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I have friends, people I know personally said, that helped my marriage. Right. I saw, not because it had magical power, but it helped right. me see something about my situation, the way I deal with my spouse in a different way, and I was able to make different decisions, and it helped my marriage. Yeah, and it, it made some good points in really clunky, ham-fisted sort of ways. Well, that's the other end know. of that, is just be, that can be true, and we can still not like it for all yeah. the, the evil it wrought. That's, right. as Judge pointing out, that's what kind of entertainment products and artistic products do they are they're yeah. a big spectrum it's that, their limits yeah yeah absolutely and there's nothing wrong with any of that 
Um, and also, uh, you know, you know, don't give Mel Gibson your money. Uh, moving on <laughs> okay. to our final question here. I don't care in. if you torture me. And honestly, in our Tumblr inbox, it says, what does it mean to celebrate your victories or wins? I can sometimes recognize that I did something that is a small victory, but I don't feel happy or in the mood to celebrate. Thank you for being patient with me. It's a fantastic question. Lee, why don't you kick us off? It is an awesome question. And, um, you know, one thing that we could say is we all know how it feels to, uh, to, to be able to recognize this should be good. I should have changed the way I feel and I, I don't feel differently. Yeah. Um, uh, we're, we're sorry for the way that feels. That does, that's a sucky thing to be going through. Um, we're, we're glad you wrote in. Um, one thing that, that, um, we need to kind of start out by saying is that feelings do come and go. Yeah. So the, the aim of, of celebrating victories, it's not, to me, the, the end goal of it is not about your feelings. The end goal of it is we're moving towards something. We're moving towards somewhere. I was reading recently, um, actually, this comes from uh, a, a book on neuroscience that, that, Glenn, uh, that, that, that Glenn suggested I read. This is, there's some recent research on neuroscience that says like when, when people practice an instrument or practice a language or something like that, you... In those practice sessions, the goal is not to get better. The goal is to tell your brain, this is the direction we're heading now. One day we're going to get somewhere. So part of celebrating victories, it's not just about, it's not just we're trying to change the way you feel right now. We're trying to get somewhere. We have what we call, this is the real versus the ideal. Over here is our ideal situation. This is where we want to land. This is the person I want to be. And right here is where I am. Now, I need to celebrate victories so I can tell that I'm moving in that direction I want to move in. Um, one of the things that I bet is true for you, because I know it's true for me and it's true for every single person I've ever known, is you can remember um, basically maybe 5% of the compliments you've ever get been given in your life, but you can remember like every negative thing anybody's yeah. ever said to you. Um, if you have a parent who's who was effusive with praise, and yet they said like two negative things to you, you can remember both of those like they just happened, yep. like five seconds ago. Um, that's, the, that's part of the way that we're put together. We, that, that negative stuff makes such a humongous impression. I'm willing to bet that you can, you, can just, you can almost taste that negative stuff the way it happens. And that's another reason that celebrating my victories, even if it doesn't change the way I feel right now, emotionally, in this moment, I need, to, I need to write that stuff down. I need to remember that stuff. And here's my biggest key on tactically, how do you celebrate victories? This is, my, this is the number one thing for me. It's been the biggest game changer for me in this area, is you need, not, not a ton of them, but you need good friends. Mm-hmm. That's what you need. You need good friends who know your struggles. They know what you're honestly going through. They know the victories, and they can help you remember them. Um, one of my best friends, this dude, this dude Potsy, one of the things I love about this dude is when you're having a hard time, he will pull something out of ancient history where he will be able to demonstrate, remember this? Look how far you are now. And you're mm-hmm. like, dang, dude, I am. I, for- I forgot all about that. He'll just come in the clutch and hit that three-point buzzer beater just to remind you of like, yeah, but six months ago you were over here. 
And then just then you did this thing this way. And you're like, dang, dude, you're right. All of a sudden I'm seeing this thing a whole different way around. If you have some good friends who know you, know your struggles and can help you remember those little incremental victories you're making, then you're not alone in this thing. And also you're not allowed to beat yourself up as much because you got friends who will call you on that. And that's a good thing to have. Mm-hmm. Man. That's absolutely right. I think it's a fantastic point. Glenn, I'd love to get you to, to pick us up there. Of I, or There's an aspect of this question where I think is very smart, and it's something worth uh, exploring and speaking to, which is um, this idea of, you know, I have these victories, and sometimes post-victory, I'm just too exhausted to celebrate it. Yeah. I think that's an important aspect. It's one we shouldn't overlook, right? Absolutely right. I mean, there are actually a number of biblical examples of, uh, you know, if you read through the Old Testament, here's a prophet, and he wins this, wins this big victory or, or accomplishes uh, this big task and overcomes things, whatever. And then he says, yeah, I'm the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> it's in those moments, it's like, I just want to lay down and die. Yeah. yeah. I suck. Of the world sucks. Yeah, exactly. I can relate to that. Yeah. I mean, you you know, we... we well, that's every Tuesday. We have a bridge service on Tuesday, and we go out to eat after with our, with our coworker, Pete, and the conversation is always, I think that went good. Right. <laughs> It was probably good, right, guys? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Too exhausted to tell whether that, you know. <laughs> Nothing's on fire. Yeah, you know. Uh, so uh, that's a common thing. I mean, this is, uh, as we've said at that bridge service many times, you, you can tell who's doing well because they're exhausted. You know, yeah. That's that's how that works. So as such, step one to, to celebrating your victories is often making sure that you get rest right after you have that victory to say, this is a good thing, but I'm not going to think about it for a day or two, and I'm going to do a lot of nothing and get out my my phone and kill zombies on my phone with the app and whatever, and I'm going to just zone out for a while uh, in order to reset my brain in order to really be able to examine this with fresh eyes, whatever have you. There are many times uh, at, the, at our, that same bridge service, I'll preach, you'll preach, and um, we'll have um, a recording of that, and then I'll hear that later. The Bridge Podcast, every Monday. Get fed. The Bridge Podcast. There, there you go. That's, that's where I hear it. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> but the, the funny thing is I will almost always listen to that later and say, that's actually a significant amount better than I thought it was. Yep. Because yep. in the moment, it's not that I'm being pessimistic. It's not that. I mean, if I, if I preach a good one, I'll say, hey, that was pretty good. Uh, but you're it's, spending a lot of effort up there. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of times when I will come off and say, "I just I'm frustrated with this, and I didn't feel like I quite landed that." And it, the tiredness phones is phones were going off, and people were walking in and out. Yeah, and, you're it's shaping this, and your 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 perception of it is very off. Listening to that later, after the fact, even hearing the audience reaction and stuff. I'm hearing, a, I'm experiencing a whole different thing because I've had a little rest. So that's, mm. I think rest is the big key there. Uh, I think second thing is reward yourself for making good choices. Mm. God had the victory. God made this thing work. And you're tempted to say, well, it's to God's the glory and God, just, I'd give the victory to Jesus and all that and whatever. God, and, God, God, God. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah. Okay. Again, back to our theme of the night of things that aren't actually in the Bible. That's right. And don't, and, and don't be holy at me. I don't, I don't need that. Uh, but here's you misunderstood the, the Gideon story, friend. Yes. I think the, the idea is God gets the victory. Yes, God is the one that made the, the thing go. 
But you made the choice. You chose to participate in this. You made a series of good choices. There may have been some bad choices in there, but that's the thing to bring out is not the end result, but those choices. Yeah, just because overblowing your role in something is kind of dishonoring to God doesn't mean that underplaying your role is like extra honor to God. Exactly right. It's much better to focus on, I made that choice, and that was a good choice. Mm. That really made a difference, because when you come up to a similar situation, you want to have that, as, as Lee was talking about, sort of that neural pathway suggesting that, do that again, because it mm. worked out great last time. Final point on that is, I think, in terms of celebrating a victory, peace and joy are what you're, those are the goals that we're looking for. Uh, it, it's hard to just say, I need to just be happy. But if you focus on having that peace where you're not riding the high highs, you're not falling down on the low lows, you're, you've got a stability there, and you're receiving a joy that, that things worked out and, and God brought a victory in that, you've got enough rest to kind of recover and recruit from that, then you're going to be in the right space for that. That's very, very smart stuff. Jed, I'd love you to close this out on kind of combining, there's some aspects that uh, Lee talked about and Glenn talked about that I think play together here. And Lee was mentioning that idea of that most of us are prone to uh, overblow the negatives and kind of underplay the positives. Mm. And Glenn is mentioning there, you can't really uh, enjoy something when you're just drained from having done it. I think one of the things that ties us two together is we have to find a way, whether it's journaling or prayer or just, you know, taking a mental snapshot of getting a realistic picture of the victory so that we can celebrate it, right? Yeah, yeah. No doubt. Well, here's the first thing I would say, and, and I really, I'm really glad you wrote on this question. Celebrating is a skill. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. have to become good at it. It is not something that you just na- innately know how to do. Yeah. Uh, and I think this that's, is not a Bollywood movie. Exactly right. right. I think that's half the problem for a lot of people is they feel like, well, I should just be good at celebrating things. Why? Right. Where on earth would that idea come from? Yes. And, and I love the idea of pressuring yourself to have to do a thing that you would enjoy. Yes. So we want to start small, we want to start zero pressure, and we want to start, Matt, just like you were saying, with the idea of, let's just establish what happened. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that gets in, in our heads is feeling, well, celebrating means feeling a certain way. Right. So i got to kind of will my way into feeling yeah. good, yeah. and I can't really do that. Right. That's not celebration. Right. Um, celebration means honoring the fact that a good thing happened. Yeah. Um, you're likely to have good emotions somewhere in there. But that's not um, the whole of it. That's not exactly the goal of it. And it's certainly not where we begin. Where we begin is simply acknowledging what happened. So um, on your phone or your computer with your journal, just make a list of everything that is true and good about this small victory. Mm -hmm. Write it down. It doesn't mean you feel good about it. It just Mm -hmm. means I acknowledge this is a good thing. Um, this this is a true thing about this uh, victory that occurred, and this is a good thing about this victory. It doesn't matter how I feel about it mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. I'm just writing it down. Now, what you may what what is likely to happen for you is that by the time you get halfway through that list, your feelings are starting to catch up a little bit. Yeah, you know, actually, that was kind of cool, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, no guarantees, but I, I think you may find that you know, you know. So you make your list, then. And you could do this with a friend. They, they probably need to be a close friend, but if otherwise, you can definitely do it with the Lord, and that's where I would start anyway, is go through and just thank God for every item on that list. Um, it's not saying, God, I feel thankful about this. That, that's a different thing. Just, God, thank you that this happened. You know, I studied for, this is a hard class for me, and I'm not super good at it, but I studied hard for the test, and I got an okay grade, and I feel like I dodged a bullet. So I'm going to thank you for every part of that. You, you 
those things occurred and you saw me through. And so thank you that I had the time to study and thank you that I have a place where I can study and thank you that I was able to sleep okay the night before the exam and thank you that I was able to make my C+. Plus. D is for diploma, y'all. That's right. So some uh, of us had that motto in high school. <laughs> yeah, same here. Yeah, and thank you. Yeah, thank you that I'm you know still um, invited to register for classes next term. Right. Uh, thank and, you for the extra loan. I will not have to take out to take this class over. Yeah. Uh, so you know, thank you God for every single thing on that list. And again, just like making the list, I think your feelings are likely to be catching up roundabout now. No guarantees, mm-hmm. but uh, this is good to do whether they do or not. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing, just like Lynn was saying, reward yourself. Yeah. Whatever your thing is. When you've done that, you've made your list, you thank God for everything on it, seal the deal, go have a really great cup of coffee right. or a really good ice cream cone or go see a movie or play a video, whatever, it doesn't matter. What, mm-hmm. But something that signifies a good thing happened and I'm going to reward myself for being a part of it. Yes. And it, and it should feel like a splurge. It should feel yes. like a thing where I am I am being kind to me. I am yes. just like, you know, if you're five years old and you play the soccer game and you do good, we go out for grape snow cones. It's just like that. Just yeah. for adults. Yeah. Uh, that's it. At this point, I am almost certain your feelings will have started to catch up and you will feel good about this. But you know what? Even if not, you're still enjoying a great cup of coffee. That's right. And congratulations. You've celebrated. That's he, You've yeah, done it. Yeah. And you're reinforcing things yeah. regardless where if your feelings can, if you're just too tired to feel them, it's still yeah. in there. It's yeah. still in there. It's still in there. Yeah. I think that's absolutely great. A, because uh, the phrase snow cones, but for grownups makes me think of jello shots, but snow cones. <laughs> Right. I think we're going to make a lot of money. Okay. Snow cones for grown-ups, y'all. I think it's going to be a whole thing. It's like snow, but then you put the scissorp on it <laughs> if you want some scissorp. Right. That's a reference to a Cedric Entertainer line from a Chris Rock movie that I'm hoping none of you saw. I'm the man of Houston, dog. Absolutely. Um, but I think... <laughs> really <laughs> heard about your boy. <laughs> we can't get into it. The hair show. <laughs> so real. <laughs> so, so real. We don't have enough time. That's really... I'm so thankful that didn't come up during the movie discussion. But... Uh, <laughs> So, and I think Jed's making a very good point there that we're working very hard to, to undercut. But uh, in that, the form, the function has to follow the form in this a little bit. In that, it, I'll take you back into the van on a Tuesday after the bridge. It normally starts on, oh, God, I can't believe we made it through that. Right. <laughs> That's right. True story. Yeah. But as we talk it through, there will almost be that somebody, and normally Glenn will ask, I think that went pretty good, right? <laughs> to which we all respond, Yeah. But then will come the list of, well, this guy hasn't been in a month, and he was there, and we got her, and we found out that she had a job, and this guy, you know, we found out that we'd talked to his brother in jail, and this, and the sermon was good, and we didn't know how that pastor was going to do, but I really liked what he had to say, actually. And as Jed's pointing out, the more you enumerate it, the emotion builds to that, but that Mm -hmm. really is the order of operations in that. You cannot start with the emotion. You do have to, a lot of times, start with, okay, let's just walk back through what happened here. That's right. That will often lead to the emotion, which will often lead to the celebration. But you can't yeah. begrudge yourself as we're talking about that. Well, I feel like I should be happier. You're probably just feel exhausted. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. You have to jog yourself into feeling uh, yeah. the right celebratory mood. There's nothing wrong with that. And you have the ability to do it. All right. Thank you for your questions. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Remember to click the contact us tab on that site and uh, click ask me anything. We're going to take out the song this week. This is from our friend, the very reclusive, the very mysterious pool house guru. Ooh. Ooh.
Here's a track from this month's Bridge Box featuring some preaching by our good friend, Pastor Weldon Williams. We call this song Trust Him. We think you're really going to enjoy that. We're going to take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. As the Apostle Paul said, we declare in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We are going to live on. We are going to survive. Today, we declare our Independence Day. All right, people, Paxton. Yeah, it's good. Back in um, 1980, um, this shows how old I am. I was in high school, and 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 I'm a big drip of water. I played basketball, and I was highly touted in this area. Um, so much so that I ended up going to college on a basketball scholarship. Quite proud of myself. Went to a very famous college, which will go unmentioned at this time, but very famous. Went there. Was very proud of myself. Felt really good. Got there freshman year, and I did what freshmen do. You know what I when I'm saying, right? And so what did I do? I failed out. Yeah, because I partied hard, too. He said, hey, hey, what's that boy doing? So I failed out of school. They kicked me out. Once you find yourself in that circumstance, what do you do? What do you do? You can say you can pick yourself up, and I tried to, and it didn't work. That summer, I was listening to a man just yap, yap, yapping, and all of a sudden I heard, what can separate you from the love of God? The minute I heard that, I heard it for the first time, and I gave my life to him. And in doing so, he turned everything around. He took that which was a failure and made it a success. He took that which was a setback and made it my breakthrough. So I want to encourage you tonight. And the reason why of all the, and I've been to the bridge since 2004, of all the ones, this, this is the one that hit me the hardest when we talk about this group of people and us and what we've gone through. It's so easy for you to look at where you are and say, I have not made it. None of us have. But guess what? Christ is in you and he's the hope of glory. We are being transformed with ever increasing glory into the image of him. Trust him because he's got your back. Trust him because he's got your back. Trust him because he's got your back. Christ is in you and he's the hope of glory. Christ is in you and he's the hope of glory. Christ is in you and he's the hope of glory. Trust him because he's got your back. God bless you and keep you.